Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotorol Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak. We're kind of a slow news week, but it's going to be a big drafting week. The NFL schedule is coming out Thursday evening. Actually, most of it's already leaked. You probably already know your team's schedule Thursday yes. afternoon. They've done a really poor job keeping the lid on this one, but you know what knowing the schedule means for some reason? It means totally drafting, totally different in best ball because uh, <laughs> the schedule is really, really important. And I feel like maybe they should lessen the importance of that. And I feel like they actually did do that. And then people complained about that. So you've <laughs> actually summarized it perfectly. That's yeah. that's what happened. That's how they reacted. And that's how Twitter reacted. That's like the whole, you did it. Good job. So we're going to talk though. So early ADP is out. We're going to go of the underdog ADP. That's where the most of the drafts have been taking right now. And we're going to go through the underdog ADP and each identify a few risers and a few fallers. Or people we expect will be rising and falling over the next three or four months. Some of them struck me as very obvious, but your ADP is a very funny thing and has a way of not doing what you would expect. And it has a way of going, well, surely Kyle Pitts won't get steamed into the first round, right? Uh, for some unknown reason. Please and then no. he does. So we're going to talk some risers and fathers real quick. Talk some schedule talk. There are six Jets Island games this year, at least allegedly, reportedly. Um, how big of a mistake is this? Denny Carter go. Bury the Jets. I know you've said you want to keep burying the Jets. I, no, I, hey, hey, no, I, I, I want to pump the brakes. Look, I, I know there are a lot of Jets fans who, for some reason, like me, and but are having a hard time liking me because all I do is crap on the Jets all, all day online. Yeah, Denny was saying he wants to throttle off the Jets hate, and I say never. Both so, but I will say that man, we have potential here. Uh, for you know a, a a meltdown in front of the nation, really. I mean, think of last year with the Broncos getting six, seven, eight primetime games. It you know they were they were slittered across the entire uh, schedule until the until the NFL could start yanking them a- away from those games and putting them back in the one and four o'clock slots. Anyway, I'm not saying it's going to be that bad. I don't think it'll be that bad. But um, the moody Aaron Rodgers on a new team. Uh, in front of in front of the whole country playing you know a pretty a pretty tough schedule you know I mean some of these games are not you know not going to be pushovers you know for for the Jets so I'm I'm thinking that it could be mm, fun for those who are not big fans of Kyle before you so so far Rodgers with the Jets has kind of been that legend like that legendary internet meme where someone comments on like their son's like scowling Facebook profile face a smile would be nice and then the sun comments, nothing to smile about in my life. That's kind of been Aaron Rodgers so far with the Jets, I feel like. Uh, I think the difference with like the Russell Wilson situation and the Aaron Rodgers situation is that Russell Wilson was coming off of a down year. He was changing teams. That's always concerning. The team gave up a lot to get him. And, well, he was going with a, a guy who we didn't know what it was going to look like with Nathaniel Hackett. And in New York. Uh, okay, no. So every one of those things I named. <laughs> <laughs> is the exact same thing going on in New York, um, yeah. which is not good. Uh, yeah. I think it'll probably the, be the, fine because Nathaniel Hackett also appearing in New York really is a bit heavy-handed. That it is, is yeah. really real heavy-handed foreshadowing uh, for this sequel. And it was it has been a schedule release day meme of like who's more likely to be the next Broncos, the Jets with six Island games or the Packers with six Island games because apparently. The Jordan Love led wow. Packers also have six island games because 
these United States of America just can't get enough of the Green Bay Packers. So uh, mathematically, uh, I have to balance out my Jets hatred with Packers love. Did you know this? Where I I find myself gravitating toward the cheeseheads. I am a cheesehead now. Uh, Since 69, you've been a cheesehead, actually. Right. I've been rooting for him since Nam. And and so I'm going to continue to do that now. Uh, I'm, I'm Jordan Love's biggest fan. Please, Matt LaFleur, come through, baby. Come through. Just one more win than the Jets. Please just give us this. Yeah, Denny, Nam is where you developed your love of the Green Bay Packers. Some people in your battalion were from Wisconsin, correct? Yeah. Um, yes, you, you, you read right. They're read big, big fans of Vince Lombardi, who was then the coach. And I'm sure uh, heartily approved of the war, by the way. That's so weird, though, that they had a coach who shared the same name as the trophy. Yeah, it is, Kyle. Um, and really. and that there's a there's a Lombardi uh, calling plays in the NFL uh, today. That must be a coincidence. I'm Although sure we have no talked we have talked about play calling is passed down through the through DNA. Yeah, I'm sure there's no relation there whatsoever. Kyle, by the way, great bit on the scary similarities between Russell Wilson and Denver and Aaron Rodgers, right down to Nathaniel Hackett, huh? Just. Had to hire Nathaniel Hackett, did you? And Nathaniel yeah. Hackett then just had to grow like a Fu Manchu. Talk oh, about, no, my, really? talk about I, I, I would never use this phrase earnestly, my mans, but my mans, <laughs> my mans having a midlife crisis. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett, uh, yeah, he's got like a fine this. He's got like a, it's like more like a, a, a ragged goatee. I'm no, looking, I'm looking at it now. Very oh, ragged wow. goatee. That's not good. That's not good. My my, my man's having a midlife. I mean, Ooh, yeah, I mean, this is if I if I had to go through what I what he went through last year, you know, I would I would have some regrettable facial hair as well, probably. And our our listeners may be having a midlife crisis at us not starting the show, so we're going to start the show. We're talking ADP potential risers and fallers as we scan the initial. It's not the initial. It's almost two months worth of data at this point. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. A lot of draft things been taking place. It's going to change now with the schedule being out because that is important and underdog. But it's also just going to change because the narratives are going to change. The depth charts as we know them will change as camps, mandatory mini camp, and really, of course, training camp get going. But Kyle, who are two people right now that you think may rise and what are their current ADPs on underdog? The RB what, the wide receiver what, et cetera. Uh, the first, Tony Pollard. He's the RB7, I believe. And I, like – did people not watch what happened last year? Like, wh- where were you guys? The Cowboys, like, famously one of the most, like, America's team. They get all the primetime games. They, they always play Thanksgiving. And uh, Tony Pollard got a career high in carries. And I think the argument against Pollard was always like, oh, well, if you scale up his volume, he'll, he'll get less efficient, right? That's just how... That's just how it works. You can't be the back. You can't be the backup. Be real great and then step in. No, that's not true. Tony Pollard, in fact, is just incredible, right? Like he is just that good. The like the only thing I think that was really missing from his his role because he's not like a massive dude. I'm fine with the guy taking some carries off his plate. Was goal line work? They still gave that to Zeke. Zeke's gone. I don't think I'm putting this out there now. I may regret this by the time we log off. I don't think they're bringing Zeke back. I know they've kind of. Tiptoed around that idea. I, I don't. Mike think McCarthy may have been holding a framed photo of him and silently sobbing <laughs> the beginning of their press conference earlier this week. But I uh, don't think he's coming back, though. Oh man, please don't do it. I my heart can't handle that sort of heartbreak to have the rug yanked out from under us just as we get last year. Uh, I believe an RB one season, but not the explosive. This is where it all comes together season. That was hopefully. Uh, the first of maybe a trilogy of incredible seasons in which the second one is the best. He ranks second, uh, Tony Pollard second in yards after contact per attempt, seventh in missed tackles forced per carry, and third in breakaway run rate. And that was on the expanded role. So I don't see how he doesn't end up settling in as like a top three or four running back. I mean, the one out to him not settling in there is if Zeke comes back, which would be concerning, sure. But I don't think that's likely. And if we think we're getting this great role from him, we've already seen as carries go up for him, the efficiency didn't go down. Like he looks like you could tell me you have him ranked as the RB two. And frankly, I believe that I think I'm going to have him ranked as my RB three. I know Pat, you have him pretty high too. I so I, I yeah. He, so before we get complete package, before we get to your next player, I mean, these are very initial rankings. I do have him as the RB three. He basically arrived as the perfectly fully realized version of Austin Eckler last year. And, 
it's weird. I mean, it seems like a backfield that's like ripe for something really random to happen. Or maybe it's not even Zeke. Maybe it's a different mm-hmm. veteran who comes in to act like it's kind of an early down hammer. Or maybe just Malik Davis gets a lot more carries than we expect. Maybe Ronald Jones becomes the latest bloomer of all and becomes the early <laughs> down compliment. But I do take heart for, for Tony Pollard that the biggest investment they made in their backfield was Deuce Vaughn, who's like a smaller Tony Pollard. He's basically – he's like a the tinier version of Tony Pollard, like a Tony Pollard clone. Mm-hmm. Calling him a Tony Pollard clone is not accurate, but he profiles as a change of pace back in the NFL and not someone – that's going to get in his way on early downs and that there is room to grow for Tony Pollard, where even if uh, he doesn't get like uh, over 200 carries, which I think he almost got to 200 carries last year, he did 193. He could become like Austin Eckler where the carries stay the same, but increase in importance. And he is the goal line back. He adds those touchdowns to his receptions. He adds those touchdowns to his long runs. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that Tony Pollard is not getting more steam in the sharp best ball community so far. The the one name that jumps out when you're looking at underdog ADP right now, uh, Pollard is going after Nick Chubb. I I don't understand. Nick that. Chubb's really good. He's like Tony yeah, Pollard yeah. scores fantasy points. Nick Chubb is, is maybe a he's is good of a real life running back. But we're playing the game. We're trying to score fantasy points, and that is so much more likely to happen with Pollard, who we know without a doubt, like is a baseline really good pass catcher. And I think like Rotopat said, he could have that Austin Eckler level role. Whereas like Chubb maybe is a bit of an underrated pass catcher without Kareem Hunt in town. I could see him getting more receiving volume, but not in the way that we see with Pollard. Yeah. I mean, look, we are legally required as fantasy football analysts to call Nick Chubb the game's best pure rusher, best pure rusher. That's what he's called folks. Uh, so yeah, I'm not taking away anything, but I, I, unless he gets a lot of more targets and receptions, he's not, he's not going to outscore, uh, Tony Pollard. So that, that jumps out. I mean, who, who, so, so like Jonathan Taylor is going before Pollard. Pollard. So you guys are putting Pollard over Taylor. I think, I think, uh, I think Taylor and Nick Chubb are very, very similar profiles and it's a profile that I'm going to bet Pollard versus that type of guy. Okay. I think Taylor might steam up as the season goes on, as the summer goes on, because I think people are going to start hyping the Colts off. And like the second Anthony Richardson has one good practice, people yeah. are like, oh, the rushing lanes, he's going to open for Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, in his defense, did have an everything went wrong campaign last yeah. year. Like things can truly only go up for Jonathan Taylor, who, when he's healthy, is the biggest big play threat in the league. He's the best pure rusher, back. as we'd say. Yeah. Chubb might be a rusher. No, he's the best breakaway rusher for sure. And I think Taylor, because of the big plays, is someone drafters will talk themselves into. Whereas Nick Chubb, anytime you're on the clock, Nick Chubb is the kind of guy you talk yourself out of. Yeah, Tony Pollard is the kind of guy you talk yourself into. So yeah, I, Tony Pollard is not going to remain behind Nick Chubb. My second guy, uh, Keenan Allen, wide receiver, twenty-five. I, like another one where like I just don't get it. Like what he's. One, he's really good. Two, last year, I mean, what was it? It was a hamstring injury, I think, that just did not go away. We thought he was coming back. He never came back. We really only saw healthy Keenan Allen for weeks 11 through 17. Uh, He was really good in that stretch. He averaged 84 yards a game, seven and a half catches on a full 17-game season. That's 128 catches for 1,400 yards. Like, career numbers and elite, like, wide receiver one numbers. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's the most recent recent version of him we saw. He was also almost his most efficient self we saw. It was his highest yards per route run and his highest yards per target since 2018. There was nothing except an injury. Like, no efficiency metrics, no volume metrics, no pure fantasy production that would say you don't want him next year outside of, of that first half of the season, which he was injured for. But like every like it's football. Everyone gets injured. That's just part of the game. And it, it's not something like it's obviously not something that I expect to move into the next year. He killed it in the second half of the season. And he goes behind Mike Williams, who like famously a not really good stylistic fit for Justin Herbert bored with Keenan Allen because he's been so good for so long that uh, like we're just like, ah, whatever, lump him in. It's like the Tyler Lockett thing. Brandon Cooks, ah, just lump him in with these wide receiver 18, 19 guys. But the second half of the year, he was like a clear wide receiver one. And the offense should be better now that they're not going to be just 
completely dumping off every single pass to Austin Eckler and depressing Keenan Allen's ADOT. Like, I think moving the ball farther downfield, given how low Justin Herbert's ADOT, nearly bottom of the league last year, moving the ball further downfield isn't moving it away from Keenan Allen. It's moving it more to the receivers. So I'm even not worried about that. I think the offense is going to unstagnate and Keenan Allen's going to remain elite. I think you you hit on it when you said uh, Keenan Allen's boring. He's just boring. You know, I mean, he's a he's a slow slot guy. He sits down in zone coverage and he gets pelted with 13 targets a game. And <laughs> so, you you know, you know what you get. But he's not you know, he's not out there like uh, what do the kids say? Mossing people down. OK, <laughs> uh, like, you know, that, that's some, something he's never done. He will not do. But, you know, he's especially PPR wise. He's a monster. So. I, I agree with you that he should rise, but man, I don't I don't know if he will. Didn't someone take a five foot nine corner in the first round, Kyle? He might moss that guy. Oh, uh, Washington, <laughs> uh, Washington did. Right, I assume on. Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about. He's really good. Maybe he'll moss short. that guy. I think Keenan Allen's gonna. He's like a no brainer riser too, because Quentin Johnson arrives. Whose game does he cannibalize? Uh, no secret. Oh. It's Mike Williams, not Keenan Allen. And when it comes to injury histories. Who's one of the only receivers with more concerning injury history than Keenan Allen? Uh, Mr. Michael Williams, whose back just goes out every because every single time Mike Williams jumps, he insists on landing directly on his back. Some guys, so, okay, some guys don't know how to fall, and I we 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 see this over and over and over again. And some guys do know how to fall. You know who knows how to fall? Justin Jefferson. That guy That's knows true. how to fall. He a, he cannot get hurt because he falls beautifully and gracefully. Here's and I, I I've always wanted to say this on a podcast. You know who is the worst faller of all time? I know we're talking about risers and fallers. Okay, worst faller of all time is in the NBA. It's uh it's Zion. It's oh Zion yeah Williams. Zion Williamson because this guy Zion's Zion body doesn't just doesn't make gravitational sense. He, he doesn't even try. To catch himself, he gets up in the air. Someone takes out his leg, and he just goes down like like a like a sack of bricks, and and with no effort to try to to try to guard himself. It's 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 incredible. Some guy Byron Buxton, famous for not knowing how to fall in Major League Baseball, and just running directly into the center field wall every time he tries to make a catch. He's one of the best outfielders, that. one of the best outfielders of the century, and they had to make him a DH because he could not just stop plowing directly into the wall. And the final point on Keenan Allen too, who does Justin Herbert love throwing to all the time, no matter what. And yes. you know, the coaches have said in the past, he threw to him too much and relied on him as a crutch. And then just continued to do that after they cemented his hamstring last year, it's Keenan Allen. He just yeah. cannot stop throwing to Keenan Allen. And it's just too low wide receiver 25. Another guy you look for reasons not to draft, but I think it's going to settle much more in like the 18 to 22 range. So I, I don't think that Keenan Allen should be going after Drake London. Uh, I, I could be just simply based on volume. I like Jake, Jake London as a prospect. I like him, what he did last year. Everything points to him being efficient and good. Okay. I'm not saying that, but I, I mean, it's Arthur Smith's offense. There, there's no, there's no hope for, for past volume there. And there's lots of hope for that kind of volume uh, in the Chargers offense. Denny, who is your first ADP riser and why is it Christian Watson at wide receiver 21? It is, uh, you know, Christian Watson is at wide receiver 21, which is a little higher than I thought he was. Uh, but uh, I still do think that he, he could inch up as, as we see, you know, training camp reports, maybe preseason action where he it looks like he's cementing himself as, an alpha receiver in an offense that I mean, probably won't have a lot of target competition. And I, and I say this about three or four days after the athletics, Matt Schneidman said that Romeo Dobbs will lead the Packers in receptions this year. Okay. Now we're not taking that as gospel, but it is, it is worth noting. So I actually looked at um, the final month of the season when Dobbs and Christian Watson were finally healthy together on the field and uh, it's, it's not great for Dobbs and it's pretty actually pretty good for Christian Watson. Uh, during that month, uh, Dobbs earned a 15% target share to Watson's 21%. Uh, Watson led green Bay with a 33% air yard share uh, while Dobbs only saw a 13% air yard share. It, it wasn't close. And so I, I think that it will dawn on fantasy managers that like Christian Watson is going to dominate. Uh, opportunity here and he should be drafted 
further up. I'm not saying, you know, top 10 or anything, but I, th- I could see him going wide receiver 16, 17 in that range. Kyle, before you jump in, I mean, he's going to dominate opportunity and he just dominated his opportunities as a rookie. Like the stuff he did mm-hmm. on the targets he drew was crazy. Just basically like a born playmaker. He was old for a rookie, so maybe more of a finished product, even though he's coming out of a smaller school. Correct me, yeah, North Dakota State. I couldn't remember where he came out of. Um, but a guy, when he, when they do that as a rookie, like you, you take notice. And it wasn't just like commanding looks. It was making big plays with them, kind of like – basically what we wanted from George Pickens rookie season. And the stats really aren't that different, but I thought Christian Watson was kind of like what we were hoping for out of George Pickens as a rookie. And now knock on wood, finally having a healthy off season, having an off season, knowing he's at the top of the depth chart. I think it's just gonna be a totally different year for Christian Watson. And, and just the big playability that just never doesn't sell in fantasy. And even in the sharp drafters, I just think there's no way he's going to be outside the top 20. I have him ranked inside the top 20. I believe like wide receiver 18. Kyle, what do you think with Christian Watson? He's really good at football. I'll give that to you. And tomorrow, as of the day we're recording this, is his birthday. So happy birthday, Christian. Uh, yeah, my only concern is that he's like not this. I don't I don't know if he profiles as this massive target earner, but I will say like Romeo Dobbs really wasn't that guy either. And he's not moving the ball downfield. It's like, you should want to move your offense through Christian Watson. I think like the best usage, like optimism case for him is kind of what we saw with like the peak of Deshaun Jackson, where like maybe you don't want Deshaun Jackson as your number one receiver, as we saw later in his career. Uh, Don't give that guy too many targets. He'll explode. But he's so efficient that even if like half of his, half of the targets you throw to him go uncaught, the other half are just auto first downs. Anytime you get the ball in this guy's hands, like it is so efficient to have it there that you're sort of willing to play a higher variant style just to get him the ball. Like Jordan Love's got a big arm. He'd be like a good fit to play like YOLO ball, Jameis Winston to like, to, you know, it was Jameis to Mike Evans. Watson really isn't Mike Evans, but he does have that downfield ability. So I do think, uh, I do think, not sure if we'll rise though, because I do think fantasy uh, analysis is so centered on volume. And I think mm-hmm. there are reasons to doubt he's like a high volume player, but he's really good, and he he does fit the bill of guys you want to draft. Like you should. Can I, can I just real, real, I'm sorry to interrupt, Kyle. It, it, can I just real quick uh, inter, uh, interrupt? Can I real quick read you the players, the receivers who had a higher yards per route run over the second half of the season uh, than Watson, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams. Those are the three guys who were I don't higher. Football. Those guys good? Are they good? Was they are. Good? They, they, at least two of those guys are pretty good. Pretty good. So <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah. I, I so it was it was elite in the second in the second half of the season. Then he just did the "That's it, that's the list" meme <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, it's uh, quite a meme. D- Denny, who is your second player you expect to rise up the ADP yeah. ranks this summer? Yeah, I think uh, I think Jameer Gibbs is probably the most screaming value in best ball drafts right now. Um, you can I have get him the complete opposite take that I will give after you're you're done talking. Okay, I, 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 you confused me for a second. Yes, I, I do. I do think uh, that that Gibbs will inch up the draft board as people get excited about him, both in training camp and maybe even in, in the preseason. I understand that David Montgomery is there and that the Lions are paying them, paying David Montgomery uh, not insignificant money to take over that uh, quote unquote Jamal Williams role in Detroit. And I know that's going to be annoying, okay, for, for Jameer Gibbs truthers. And as much as I don't like the actual NFL draft pick of Jameer Gibbs, I think that that tells us that the Lions are going to be way more committed to getting the ball in his hands than they ever were with their space back from last year and the year before DeAndre Swift. I, I, I just, I think that everything speaks to him kind of being force fed through the past, the past game. Dan Campbell said he reminds Gibbs reminds him a lot of Alvin Kamara, uh, which I, I believe I, I mentioned that uh, a few weeks ago. And, and so I, I, I do, I do think that uh, people are going to get super excited about the rookie eventually. That's just, it is always the best laid plans of the space back, of course, though. And, and we know those come to ruin. So for, like teams draft a guy, I go, man, we're going to line him up all over. Like he's got, his guy's going to oh, be playing well. some, some fullback, some H back even. Yeah. And then, you know, they get one padded practice and like, Oh my God, this guy's never played NFL football before. And he can't do any of this stuff that we thought, even though he's mm-hmm. a first round pick. 
And I don't know if that's going to – I think what's going to happen is like Dan Campbell, mandatory minicamp, is going to be like, oh, David Montgomery. Jameer Gibbs' selection had nothing to do with David Montgomery. We love David Montgomery still inside the 20. David Montgomery can catch passes. He's not going to even come off the field on every third down. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of DeMont praise from Dan Campbell. I, and I just think – I'm not saying it's going to be right. I do think people will get scared off Jameer Gibbs. And I think it will have something to do – with this, like, the real-life draft capital, which, like you said, doesn't actually matter, Denny. You don't have to like, like, what the line, the decision they made at number 12. But it's it's just hard a lot of times for people to shake those negative connotations. And I kind of think Jameer Gibbs is already at, like, the height, the height of his hype cycle and that his ADP will creep down a little bit as the summer. Because another thing, so. another thing, there are just so many running backs behind him that I think are, like, primed to, to rise – yeah. Like Kenneth Walker could be at a low ebb. Aaron Jones is probably at a low ebb. J.K. Dobbins is probably at a low ebb. I mean, if Dalvin Cook gets a new team, I think Pacheco is going to steam. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be rising and that he might be one of the victims. Those yeah. guys aren't going over Gibbs. They're not going to rise the expense of Gibbs. I mean, he's like elite receiving profile running back, extremely efficient running back. Team spends way too much on him, but that tells us, like we said, we're just playing the game. That tells us how much they like him. Uh, and do you see these Lions uh, staffers whenever they make a pick? They're not just doing their job. They're the happiest people who ever lived whenever they make a pick. Like they are getting this guy the ball and it's probably going to be in the ways that are like most efficient for fantasy points where like he could be an elite weapon in the red zone. We know he was one of the best pass catching backs in college football last year. He was third in yards per route run among power five backs and something like fifth or sixth in receiving yards. Like, He doesn't quite have like three down profile, but I think he has like Pollard or, you know, Alvin Kamara at his peak profile. He's a little smaller than those guys is kind of the one caveat. I would say that if they spend the 12th round pick or 12th overall pick, they're not particularly concerned with that size. So I'm going to say never concerned at first. I would say the best laid plans have ways of going sideways with these. When was the last time like a change of pace back? Just like hit the ground running as an NFL rookie. Like it just doesn't happen very often. I just think about that. It's like a narrow role, and like they're just always less ready than they expect to like pass protect. And like, how are you going to be in on third down if you're not ready to pass protect? And I just feel like it's a it's a role that like busts so frequently as a rookie. It is a little. It's a, it's volatile. I will give you that. Yeah. Man, well, we'll just see. But I mean, I don't know. He's number twelve overall pick, and people are already more excited than I thought they'd. I thought people would be truthing Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. A little more than they already were. And their draft. So it is interesting that he's already so high. Yeah. Uh, I got two players that I think are right. going to rise. Let's hear Very first, I can't believe Isaiah Pacheco is the RB23. Like, uh, what, what am I missing here? Like, the guy who closed out his rookie year so strong, starting to catch passes, like yeah. kind of usurping Jared McKinnon occasionally down the stretch for the biggest games of the year for the Chiefs. Like, a guy we liked as a rookie who not only delivered on expectations, but like way over delivered on them. He's now like the unquestioned lead back for one of the very best offenses in the NFL. And I was, I'm just been shocked to see his initial ADP hovering around the RB two, three borderline. And uh, what, what do you folks think? Well, I think, I think it has to do with his lack of passing game uh, involvement. And uh, At least I mean, in theory. Yeah. I, well, and that, that would change everything. It would change everything. We, we talked, I, I don't know what was it Monday or I, I can't keep track of the podcast, but uh, about how much the Chiefs throw it in the red zone and particularly inside the 10 yard line. And, and, you know, that, so that speaks well to whoever is, is catching the passes out, out of the backfield. Now, usually that's been CEH or McKinnon, depending on health and whatnot. Uh, if Pacheco, Pacheco takes on that role or even chips, uh, chips away at that role, we are, we are talking a, a whole different scenario, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're, you're kind of relying on a on an early down banger in an offense that never runs it. I, that's that's how I see it. So you're, the yeah. the stat the only stat that matters is those passes in, inside the ten yard line, Denny. And uh, just he occasionally was taking third down snaps away from Jared McKinnon. That's all I needed. That to me that was a trend, and like that's going to be sticky. He's just <laughs> going to take. They did wait like three months to resign Jared McKinnon. I think that was some salary cap machinations there where that was kind of just like a, he was always coming back, but they had to wait to a certain date to do it. I think so. But I I think, I think, I I just think he's going to be someone that people are going to talk themselves into. They talked themselves into him last year. You remember he was like basically a hundred percent drafted last year Yeah, when his role was so much less defined. 
Now he has a defined role with room to grow. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the pass catching stuff is really going to be tough because I was trying to remember uh, who said it was you, Denny. That just like the Chiefs, uh, like highest pass rate in the red zone, highest pass rate the closer you get to the goal line. Like that, like it makes sense. They have great short area pass catchers and they have Patrick Mahomes. Like, why would you do anything different? Uh, the, the formula works. Don't change it. So they're going to pass a ton normally. Then they're going to get close to scoring and they're going to pass. And if they are passing, it's probably Jarek McKinnon. Like Pacheco, I mean, he's just. He had 14 targets as a rookie and he got 170 carries. It wasn't like he didn't play at all. He just did not get targets. That's not how he was used. Uh, might I and remind McKinnon, you that he had six in the AFC championship game. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank hey, you for that reminder. A, a sample size of one. That If that continues, that that, that changes the calculus yeah. for sure. The game done changed. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, and Jeremy Kahn's a really good pass catcher. Uh, so I, I think... I think those things will probably hold him back both as a fantasy player, but also from rising. I think it's kind of very facially obvious that there's a pretty big hurdle for him to clear, which is being a uh, between the twenties, not inside the twenties, pure two down player. I, I will say real quick on Isaiah Pacheco. It was only 14 targets, but he drew at least two targets in four of his final six games. He was getting more involved. So those targets predominantly came in December where there was a point where they did get more comfortable with him in the passing game. And there were several times where Tony Rome was like, oh, they're leaving him in, Jim. They like third down. I don't know. Then Jarek McKinnon scored a receiving touchdown. But it did yeah. seem like their confidence in him grew as it went as the year went on. That was a good. That was a good Romo impression. Oh, there you go, that Romo. That's what my favorite impression about? I've ever seen on this show. Well, yeah, no, that wasn't Romo. Yeah, no, it was. I I, lo- I do love the meme. I love the Romo meme. Uh, I've been wondering if I created that meme. I've seen that out there, and I was definitely on the vanguard of that. But uh, I don't. I don't think you were. But the, the media hubris. is once again not giving you credit. I'm sorry. I think it's this hubris that I think I was one of the people that created. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with Isaiah Pacheco. Devin A. Shane is the RB 35. I, I feel like there's absolutely zero chance that remains the case. And maybe this is just fear about Dalvin Cook arriving in Miami, which some people are presenting almost like as an inevitability. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Jim. They went crazy. They had almost no draft capital whatsoever. I think they had four draft picks, and they used one of them on Devin A. Shane. He seemed like it was like a pound the table type player for Mike McDaniel, mm-hmm. someone that just fell in love with and desperately need more playmaking juice out of the backfield. They, they did it just comprehensively, did not have it with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, et cetera, last year. They love the player. It's a high octane offense. It could be a very fantasy friendly role. Like Devin Ashane barely going as an RB3. I, I, I don't see that. With the Dalvin Cook is the huge variable, but if that trade doesn't happen, I mean, I think Devin Ashane could be around like the RB2 3 borderline instead of the RB3 4 borderline. Uh, yes, but man, if that trade happens, uh, A Shane is then RB thirty five is disastrously high. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a bench <laughs> dash, folks. At that point, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're seeing that trade. I feel like uh, like it probably would have been a spot where they pull the trigger before the draft because they don't want to have to draft a running back going into it or shortly after if they think they struck out at running back. Maybe that's still the possibility, but like I don't think they did. A Shane is a good running back who is a perfect schematic fit for this team. Uh, did I already say at some point previously on a podcast that he's breaking an 80-yard touchdown in the preseason and getting the Amir Abdullah steam? I, I may have already said that, or maybe I just make that reference every year to everyone. You've I've been saying met. it to yourself in the mirror. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a riser, dude. He's he's going to make some long preseason play. Uh, he, more like of the casual people are going to find out about this guy because he's not Bijan. He, he's not Jameer Gibbs. But he's really good, and it's a great fit. This is a riser I can get on board with. Yeah, I'm just I'm shocked at how low he is. Maybe maybe there's more casual people in the underdog lobby this year too. Underdog has been getting a lot of attention. People like us talk about it nonstop. Yeah. I've ne- I've never turned on my TV and not seen Josh Norris's no. face. No, so that, that is that is one thing. Josh, uh, we want we want royalty. We made you. We want right. we want royalties. No, Josh. I should uh, say I should say I see Josh Josh Norris's handsome face and just Josh. staring at me through the TV all the time. Josh, it's the background think- on my phone. I'm not sure if that's like an ad <laughs> placement that shows up. I don't think I set that, but it's there. <laughs> Josh, of course, the founder of this podcast and absolutely killing it at, at under at Road World at Underdog, yes. as is Hayden Winks. 
We'll be right back after this. There really is no offseason in the NFL. Now that the draft is in the rear view, it is time to get ready for the upcoming season. Tune into Peacock, the NFL Network, or NFL Plus tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern and prepare to circle your favorite matchups and weeks this fall as the NFL reveals its 2023 schedule. And don't forget, download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. First half of the show, we were, we were positive with ADP risers, people we think are going to rise from their current AD, their average draft position, as the Zoomers call it. Um, but now we're on to fall. <laughs> now we're on to fallers. We're each going to identify two players we think might already be at the peak of their ADP value, and mm-hmm. we'll be tumbling down the board as the summer goes on. Denny, who is the first such player for you? Uh, Ken Walker. You may have heard of him. Uh, he was underdrafted uh, last year. Uh, but now, not not so much. He's going as on underdog. He's going as the wide, um, not not wide, wide receiver, running back fifteen, just behind the aforementioned Jameer Gibbs and then Najee Harris. Um, I don't think that this will last. I think that uh, the the Seahawks investing a uh, a pick in Zach Charbonnet at a UCLA is uh, is going to weigh on people's minds and sort of make them think twice about whether Ken Walker can, can get there for fantasy on a consistent basis while splitting uh, backfield duties and, and uh, most importantly, perhaps losing out on pass-catching opportunities. Uh, just to reiterate, uh, Ken Walker was he came into the league last year with a lot of question marks around his pass-catching usage and ability, and he, you know, confirmed everybody's worst fears. He's not very good at it. Ken Walker was graded by Pro Football Focus as last season's 40th best pass catching running back out of 50 qualifying backs. He had 27 catches for 165 uh, yards, 165 yards last year. Uh, Ken Walker was 47th in yards per route run out of those 50 qualifying backs. So re- really, really bad. And and Zach Charbonnet was. Solid, if not not spectacular, in in college at catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think Ken Walker is going to deliver those big plays. You know, he's going to deliver those 50, 60, 70 yard touchdown runs when he's healthy. But it, he's going to, I think he's going to be very frustrated. I think people are going to wrap their heads around that eventually. We are going to see him fall in ADP. I think he's just a weird one because he's going to rise and fall based on probably absolutely nothing. Like for all we know, his role will not change. But what we do know is that Pete Carroll will spend the entire summer talking up every single running back in this backfield. And he's basically will make Zach Charbonnet sound like a co-starter. Literally just today, this yeah. Thursday, he was talking up Kenny McIntosh, I believe the seventh round pick. He said they thought he they had a third round grade on Kenny McIntosh. Wow. Stop it with these. We so, had this round grade on these guys. I know. So Pete Carroll talking up everyone and their mother in the Seahawks backfield. That is not going to stop that's going to have like a chilling effect on the Ken, Ken Walker market when for all we know, he's just going to be deployed the exact same way. And like, why would he not be? He was so right. good in that role last good. year. Whereas to the Seahawks, 
had real trouble filling that third down role. Travis Homer couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. DJ Dallas couldn't stay healthy. Travis Homer's now gone. They're going to need someone to catch passes and fill that role. Zach Charbonnet makes perfect sense on paper. But I do agree with Denny's premise, though, that Ken Walker is going to fall. That's good, too. There could be like injury whispers, like, can this guy actually stay healthy? They use such high draft capital in his new backup. Uh, I don't really think he should fall, but I do think he will fall. And I do think when I'm on the clock, I'm like, man, I just can't trust Pete Carroll. And I'll make yeah. a different decision. Right. So so I was going to ask, uh, if you were on the clock in a best ball draft right now, Pat, would you take uh, Ken Walker or Aaron Jones? Oh, my Lord. I would take Ken Walker because I, really? I, 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 I love big plays so much. Not that Aaron Jones doesn't provide those, but – Aaron Jones is going on a few too many years of, well, surely Aaron Jones is going to finally explode as the pass catcher this year. And he's just like, he, he is, he's like the ultimate. He is who he is. And it seems like we can't ever give that idea up where Ken Walker, especially in best ball, I think he uh-huh. has to like really shoot for the stars with him. So what about uh, JK Dobbins? Would you take him over Walker? I actually would take J.K. Dobbins over, I would over Walker. And I would. what about you, Kyle? I have, I have Dobbins higher than average, I believe, in my rankings. He might be one of the guys who's who's green when you go in and search for outliers for me. Yeah, I think I would also take J.K. Dobbins over uh, over him, and then I think I would not take Aaron Jones. I think I agree with you on both of those. Uh, mostly, especially like Denny put in the context of best ball, but this is roughly true in season long too. Is like I want the guys who could absolutely like break football, even if it's just for a game, but maybe for a large stretch of games. And I think Aaron Jones is probably, especially not that anymore with the Packers setup of not having Aaron Rodgers. That one little quirk in their offense this year, uh, having the what fourth year quarterback who hasn't played a snap yet or whatever. That one might weird, be a- one weird trick, as it's known. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and there's very much a chance that Ken Walker, like just goes out and gets a ton of carries again and asserts himself as the team's RB one. Cause he's an elite big playmaker. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this little player named Rashad Penny, but, uh, Pete Carroll hated him and he refused to play a guy who they invested a ton in, uh, and continue to give Chris Carson, who in his own right was a pretty good back, uh, continue to give Chris Carson the work. So Pete Carroll is sort of like. You know, he's like Shanahanian in that way where, like, they don't care about the capital. If you don't no. show well in camp, like, it's not happening for you. And to have that potential on the table for someone like Ken Walker where maybe he just continues to be an elite, heavy usage two-down guy on an offense that's good. Like, it can also get him in the red zone. Like, I want to be buying into that upside, even if I probably give up some floor that I would have gained with Aaron Jones. Pete Carroll, it's not lip service, truly does not care about where you were drafted. He no. might be the only NFL coach who actually does not care. Then you have any more closing thoughts or any more either yeah. or to throw at us? Well, j- just about Walker. Like I, I actually would would like the way I draft my teams. I would like Ken Walker to fall. Uh, you know, I don't know to RB. Denny uh, would like to draft a running back. Curious. I uh, no, no. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I like, I like some value. I'm a value hound. If, if he makes it to RB, what 45, 50, somewhere he, in that range, you'd consider taking him. If he's going in the 16th, 17th round, you never know. You never know. I might get crazy. I might take him. No, I, I mean, you know, if he if he falls, uh, if he falls like around the I don't know James Connor, David Montgomery range, I'm uh, I'm in. I'm in. Denny infamous around town as an inveterate value hound. Um, I will never, I will never take a value. (laughs) Denny uh, value hound. Uh, Denny, who is the second player who you think is primed to fall in average draft position this year? Uh, Yeah, I think, I think James Cook is probably going to fall. Currently the RB 29. Yes. RB 29. This is like, the David Montgomery, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara range, lots of uh, lots of question marks around th- this range. Charbonnet is right there as well. I, I I do I do think that eventually we will have to come to grips with Damian Harris being there and <laughs> being boring and process that trauma. Yeah, right. We are we the the processing is good for me. It's going to take a little while. I I, I wrote uh glowingly of of james cook uh i don't know two months ago three months ago and uh was really looking forward to him giving giving the opportunity uh it's not happening it's not going to happen so we have to when i say we i mean me i have to deal with that in my own way uh and realize that uh you cannot draft him where he's gone Kyle, what do you think of this Bills backfield situation? It is a really w- weird one where I feel like the Bills always want this one back. They always, like, it seems like they're weak, so they come out like, 
we're a one back backfield finally. <laughs> and then no matter what, they always revert to a two or three back backfield. Damian Harris is a better early down option than they've had recently. Although Damian Harris did look like last year, maybe a guy whose rookie contract was like the whole career for him. Like someone who was looking less explosive than he did his first two or three years in the league. But Damian Harris is the RB 38. James Cook's the RB 29. What do you make of this dynamic in Buffalo? Yeah, I, I feel like Denny, uh, and I agree, like we saw a lot of like really high upside from James Cook last year. I feel like if Damian Harris is the reason that we're like, oh, we can't draft James Cook anymore, we probably shouldn't have been drafting him in the first place because he's a free agent running back making, this has to be pretty close to the veteran minimum. It's one year, 1.8 mil. Uh, you know, it's, it's more than the veteran minimum, but it is not by much. So if James Cook is that good, but like you can't also have this guy is going to lose a lot of work to Damien Harris. Like maybe the argument is that's the specific work, like the the goal line work. But I'm not sure that's entirely why we were drafting James Cook anyways, because Josh Allen's the goal line back. It probably wasn't isn't even going to be Damien Harris. So I'm still fine buying into the if like if you want to buy into the talent profile of James Cook, which is really interesting. He can be a really strong pass catcher, like big breakaway runner. Doesn't have to get doesn't have to be the workhorse. Doesn't have to get. 20 carries four catches, right? He can do it on 15, you know, 15 and three, 15 and four. So I'm still fine buying into the profile, whether or not that reflects in his ADP. I kind of do think people just like the, the flashy young running backs and he's on a good offense. So I, I could, I could see him not uh, falling as much and uh, just as a bet on talent, essentially. So when I wrote that piece on James Cook, he was going as the running back 39, uh, which I liked a little, a little more than his running back 29, ADP. So let, let's let's work to get him back to 39. <laughs> I don't know what is going to happen with James Cook's ADP because you guys both make compelling cases. There could be a, oh, crap, I did forget about Damian Harris moment for drafters. Or there could be, like Kyle described, we just love flashy young running backs and yeah. good offenses. And whereas I feel ADP like what's more – What's more likely to happen that like we realize we overstepped and raised him too high or we just keep buying it? Like, look, I was here for the Albert Okui Boonham Wars last year. <laughs> At some point, I really knew I was in over my in over my head. I was like, oh, I got really good values, right? Like at the end of the day, it's hard to predict what these players are going to do. But if if everyone sort of agrees that this player is more valuable than when you drafted him a month ago, that's like a small win, right? That's closing line value and betting type of stuff. Uh, do we ever pull back on our excitement without any like real new information. I'm assuming like the bills aren't going to draft anyone or we're not going to get like a horrific camp report on, Oh, James Cook doesn't know the playbook. Assuming things hold roughly the same. Do we ever have that coming to Jesus moment where like, we really should think about the value of this running back and the way the projections line up. Like when we get going, we get going. So I don't think he'll fall. It's actually a really good point. And, and yeah, I have you, to give it real, Danny, real quick. I have this quick shout yeah. out who did an amazing job on my taxes this year. <laughs> Sorry, Denny. Yeah, I, I want to say that uh, because Kyle lost the Albert O Wars, I, uh, that's why he has Greg Dulcich's, uh, Dulcich <laughs> spray painted on his mailbox. <laughs> Dulcich was a, he was a minor theater in the Albert O Wars, like a side theater. Like the French and the British sent a few troops to skirmish in North America where their heart wasn't really in it. That was just a side theater. In the Greater Napoleonic Wars, anybody else with me here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been uh, you've been reading too much. I think, is what, is been reading doing. a lot lately. <laughs> uh, we're, we uh, we we ain't reading all that. Is no, we're no, <laughs> uh, not reading all that. I, by the way, I, real real quick side thought on the Bills' backfield. Do either of you know what team Zach Moss is currently on? The Bills are a choice. The Colts. That would have been my guess. Did they keep him? Oh, yeah, they did. I'm so hoping you guys wouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the Colts. Yeah, uh, I actually got myself worked up about him, like at some point in DFS. Oh, oh I was going to say you asked the wrong people because we were jamming, we were jamming four string running back in a starting role in yeah, like week right. uh, 17, that's something right. like that. That's how it works. <laughs> Kyle, who is the first of two players you expect to fall in ADP as the summer goes on? First of two is uh, one more of a prediction of something that's going to happen that will drop his ADP, Dalvin Cook. I, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance he doesn't end up uh, on this roster by the time we get to week one. Uh, like he's going right now, I believe, is the RB20. And it's it's already been trending slightly down. But other like until week one, it's 
probably relatively unlikely that we ever find out what's going to happen. Like we're not going to find out in July that they're cutting him down the road. It's only going to be continued speculation of they are cutting him until the first snap he takes in a Vikings uniform, if he ends up taking that. So there's like mostly one direction to go. And I think like it probably makes a decent amount of sense to cut the, to cut him. They've already been quite non-committal on him. We've already gotten rumors that like Miami was monitoring his trade value heading into the draft. Quezzi Adolfo Mensa was very non-committal in the way we sort of talk about like Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Yeah, coaching, and like, Kyle, not to interrupt your friend, but we're getting some real serious. Dalvin Cook, yeah, I mean, last time I pulled up our roster on Wikipedia, he was he was still there. That is that has got to be like a bit concerning for his standing with the team. And they did bring back, which I thought was kind of surprising. They brought back Alexander Madison on a two-year deal and on a uh, yearly basis, he's the like twenty-first paid highest-paid running back. Which isn't to say that he's elite, but that the team values him as like a low-end starter type. And if you have a low-end starter type and you drafted a running back, I really like the running back they drafted, Dwayne McBride, who's just a potentially elite playmaker. He went pretty late in the draft, so I won't get too over my skis on him but if they're paying a fringe starting level running back and they just drafted a running back and dalvin cook they can save i believe nine million by cutting him i think there's a lot of of where there's smoke there's fire here and it's not a guarantee that he gets cut but i only see his adp going one direction essentially until the final days of drafting when we're fairly sure he's playing if we get to that point that's a really good point that his adp could actually go up but it would require him getting traded sooner because it He's kind of in the ambivalent zone right now. Like, we just don't know zone of RB20 because even though Dalvin Cook's declining, like, if we knew for sure he was going to be on the Vikings this year, his ADP would not be RB20. It would still be probably borderline RB1. And there are places where, where he could get traded and become an RB1 again, but it's just that uncertainty is just going to be killing us all summer. Any thoughts on Dalvin Cook, Denny? Yeah, draft him. I mean, I mean that that's that's going to be end up being a really good spot to get him. And you can only get him now when when there when there is uncertainty swirling around him and where he's going to play, what role he's going to have. Uh, as soon as soon as we get some clarity, it like that 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 value is over. It's out the window. Like well, he's go, he's going to jump. Danny, where would you rank him if he were on the Miami Dolphins today? That's a good question. Uh, mm, I would. I, I guess I'd I put him in the Ramondre Stevenson range. RB. I guess that's fair. But RB. what about what about our Devin A. Shane, our guy, man? <laughs> you mean if if Cook is yeah, I mean Cook goes to Miami, he's a, Devin uh, Devin, he's a part-time player. I'll I'll, a, I'll remember. I will remember that name, A. Shane. <laughs> well, it's true, and as we know, if there's anyone who knows how to make it work, it's a Kyle Shanahan disciple. We'll just keep featuring him to him and cannibalize the value. Yeah, and I mean, also just getting probably, touches to Miles Gaskin for some reason. Still, <laughs> I think it matters how he gets there too, right? Like, if a team does end up trading for him, I'm not entirely sure how likely that is with his contract. I think it's more likely he gets cut and signs. Probably still a decent deal for a player who just got cut. But like, if he gets cut and goes to another team, like that tells us something about the value that the NFL assigned to him. If a team were to trade for him, even just like you know a late round pick, essentially paying to take on the contract. That would mean a lot more than if he gets cut and goes to another team. Uh, who who are we on? Denny, uh, who's your second follower? Or is this Kyle? Kyle, who's your <laughs> second follower? Uh, Miles Sanders. This is another one where like, I don't have a strong read on where the market is going. I, I do think I understand how people will treat the Dalvin Cook situation uh, and like Tony Pollard, players that we think are exciting and people want to be drafting. Miles Sanders is kind of somewhere in the middle. It's more so, I'm just not sure I buy into him even close to where he's going as RB17. RB okay, RB17, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, the Panthers last year were 22nd in PFF run blocking grade. They didn't make really any notable changes to their offensive line, to their draft or free agency. Miles Sanders is uh, not a pass catcher. He was dead last in yards per route run last year and really hasn't been good since one year early in his career as a pass catcher. Panthers are a seven and a half win total, like below league average team. And last year, Chubba Hubbard was really good. Seventh in rushing yards over expected per carry last year. It's like the most meh uh, player I can find. And it's one where I think as we get hype 
on, I don't know if A-Chain would be like a guy to pass him, but guys that have reasons to move up, we find out they have a better standing within the team. Those guys are the players I expect, like your Pacheco types. Like if, if there's rumors that Pacheco could Thank do you. some pass catching, he is a guy who I could see leapfrogging Miles Sanders. And I looked into this, a few, I looked into this a few years ago, and players that, uh, running backs that change teams in free agency, even when they're paid well, generally just see fewer touches. It's just the nature of the position. As you start to age, once you hit that next contract level, even if it's a good next contract, it's really tough to keep up that volume. Miles Sanders, RB17, has like really, really strong, this time it counts vibes. <laughs> I know that he was just in the most sophisticated rushing offense in the league for two years and did absolutely nothing. That's a stretch, but it just felt like that when you invested high draft capital in him. Uh, then it's going to work for the rebuilding Carolina Panthers. Well, I just yeah. can't wait for that to happen. Look, I Miles Sanders has a nightmarish receiving profile. I mean, really, really awful stuff. I'm not just talking about like raw stats. I'm talking about the the stuff that matters, the peripheral stuff, yards per route run. <laughs> the juice, know. the goods, the sauce. Yes. The goods say, woof, man, how can he be this bad <laughs> at, at catching the ball? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I have my hesitation there. Yeah, I just, I mean, there's so many guys behind him, too, that is he really going to stay ahead of J.K. Dobbins? Is he really yeah, going to stay? A, that's a good example. Like, really? J.K. Dobbins is awesome. Is he really even going to stay ahead of Damian Pierce? Like, do we expect this to happen? Damian Pierce was very good as a rookie. We like him. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. They're, they're like some flashy young players who are like in no different of a situation. Like what's the difference between Damian Pierce's situation? They're, they're very similar. Both teams drafting their young quarterbacks of the future. Like what is the difference between those two players other than uh, Damian Pierce is younger and was maybe better last year? He was really good at breaking tackles. Straight up, Denny Carter, would you rather have Miles Sanders or DeAndre Swift? Not telling you their ADPs. Ugh. Um. I know what I just said, but I'm going with Miles Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm not. A, I'm not in on the Swift. It's it's no, scary no, season no, for Swift. No, Swift on. is. I mean, this, you want to talk about a guy where this time it counts. It's uh, that's a real this time it counts. That's a big this time it counts. It's never counted more than it does right now. With DeAndre Swift. Uh, we're on my fallers now. Yeah. I'm just gonna start with with, with uh, JSN as he's called. Jackson Smith and Najigba. How do you say Njigba? Najigba? How That's do you right. say it? I say it like the second one you said. What was the second one? Najigba. Najigba. <laughs> Just going to say JSN for now. The uh, wide receiver 29, he's going ahead of Tyler Lockett. I mean, I think this is like our annual Tyler Lockett derangement syndrome where we just refuse to accept and remember how good Tyler Lockett is. And we talk about the Seahawks being like a true meritocracy, like where your draft position doesn't matter. Uh, but like Pete Carroll loves Tyler Lockett. Like, so like, so I was going with that where Pete Carroll wouldn't hesitate to bench a veteran, I think too, but like they just love Tyler Lockett. And why would they not? He was still extremely good last year. I think JSN, sorry if you've heard the spiel from me already on the podcast, but I've made it a few times. I think JSN was someone they thought was a value that should not have been there. Someone who could be a succession plan to Tyler Lockett and the slot. And to someone who filled a huge need, like, you might think a team that had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett didn't have a receiver need, but the Seahawks did not have a number three receiver last year. They just like straight up didn't have a number three receiver and really, really needed a third receiver. And you could argue whether or not they should have done that in the first round then, but it was an acute need. Tyler Lockett is aging, but this like Keenan Allen, he's aging, but there's no indication that he's falling out of his team's plans. And he's just a really good football and. I do think that drafters will realize this and Tyler Lockett's ADP will go higher than JSN's. Or you give the I drafters don't. too much credit. You we, we do this every uh, year. We're like people are always sweet and Tyler Lockett's had nineteen thousand yard seasons in a row. How is he going this low? And the ADP bar is just a flat line. It never moves a muscle. <laughs> when have we ever displayed restraint with a talented young rookie? Name me one time. We are a, a pack of wolves who just yeah. love the new thing. Uh, and especially when that new thing is good. JSN was an elite prospect, and it's an for one year. If for one year. It was one of the best years ever. One good year. So, Denny was dying to get in there. Sorry, Denny. No, it's fine. Go ahead, Denny. But I, I, have, I have questions about where JSN fits into this passing game because 
the Seahawks were like bottom 12 or 13 in uh, three wide receiver sets last year. Like, Hey, we call that not... top 20 or two. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, however you want to slice it, like they're, they're not getting three receivers on the field all yeah. that often. And so, and, and, and JSN is a slot only dude. Like he's not going outside. So that leaves Metcalf and Lockett as every snap receivers and it leaves JSN as a, as I, I don't want to say rotational, but something like rotational in, in an offense that a doesn't really want to throw it. Okay. They want to be very balanced. They want to be very careful. They, they saw what happens when you lean on Gina too much. So I, I do, I do have questions and, and Lockett should be like we say every year, like should be going well, well, well before JSN. I, the only thing I push back would have is the three receiver thing might have been it because again they didn't have a number three receiver. They yeah, said, when when Dwayne Eskridge is your third receiver, guess who's not playing a lot of three wide? They also have yeah. tight ends too. They just didn't have anyone to throw out there. But then to Denny's point, Pete Carroll seriously, like right before we started this podcast, was in an extended monologue about the importance <laughs> of the running game. <laughs> like he was, there was oh people God. live like doing threads that were like eight or nine tweets, and where he was really talking up that running game. And like Denny said, I think the Seahawks realize. I mean, even with as good as Geno Smith's season was, there are lots of points where it was bad. And and especially in the second halves of games, when they had like winning time, like they were wishing they had a stronger running game. Some of, and mm-hmm. I think they realized like uh, that was a career year that is not going to be replicated for Geno Smith. And the, the volume, the, the volume is not there to support three receivers. And I just don't see JSN overtaking Tyler Lockett. So I, I think I, I, mean, I agree with all these things. I agree with all of these things. Do you guys genuinely believe the average drafter seeing six, 1,600 yard, I think, JSN playing with Geno Smith, great year last year. Uh, did he win comeback player of the year, I think? Whatever. He did. Uh, uh, like, they see that, and then they see Tyler Lockett. Oh, great. What do I get? 1,200 yards and eight yeah, touchdowns? The guy who I who never, ever win with, Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's really good. I'm just saying this from... Uh, trying to guess where ADP goes, right? Because I do think it's like important to try and get closing line value on your players. And also, like if you're doing multiple drafts, if you can predict now where things are going to move, that's like that's a, an advantage to have, right? You can get good values later and good values now if you know where things are going to move. Are these drafters really going to temper their expectations on JSN? I agree. The volume is a big concern. I do think he'll probably be limited to a part-ish time role because he's going to play a lot of slot mostly. Do the drafters care about these things, guys? I'm upset. I'm upset. I just looked at. I just looked through the wide receiver ADP on, on Underdog a little more thoroughly, and what in the world is going on <laughs> with Lockett going behind JSN and Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman? No, I'm telling you, Pittman. Pittman's going to go higher, man. I'm telling you, the no. second Anthony Richardson puts on shorts and like a cutoff shirt. Uncorks a few 70 yard no. pat. Every Colts skill player is going to skyrocket. Absolutely not. Michael Pittman, if Anthony Richardson truly does get the week, the week one role, and they say we're going with him no matter what, we're going with the kid. Pittman's out of my player pool completely. Like I, I like I, I don't I don't care where he goes. I don't I don't want him. I don't want him. I I'm, I might take Alec Pierce, but like in the 25th round. But uh, but besides that, no, you, I'm 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 out on on all Colts pass catchers in in that situation. I, going before Lockett, that's wild to me. No, we will Tyler. I will never no. quote not have Tyler Lockett derangement syndrome. Uh, uh, look at George Pickens is going right next to Lockett. That's that's insanity. That is, that's, that's, that's what offensive. in the world? They should not be in the same galaxy ADP wise. That is offensive. This happened with Lockett last year too because of Geno Smith fear and. And, and everyone like, wanted DK Metcalf because he's large and strong, and that's cool. Guys who are big and strong are cool. George, but like George Pickens going before Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, Traylon Burks, absolutely not. We have to write this wrong. By the way, Tyler Lockett's like actually good. Brandon Cooks because every year, like oh, Brandon Cooks ADP is way too low, and. And it's always perfectly fine, it turns yeah, out. Yeah. Whereas Tyler Lockett's is always actually too low. And it's actually too low again. Very final one, and I don't we don't have to talk long about this one. Brees Hall is the RB10. And I just feel like people haven't like fully it hasn't fully sunk in yet that he's coming back from a torn ACL. And the Jets have been like uniformly probably like, his knee is better than it was before he shredded it. I mean, 
I would. I think all of our players should tear their ACLs, to be honest, because they come back looking this great. Like so that's that's where the Jets are at with Brees Hall's ACL. But like the second that he doesn't practice the first week of training camp, and like the second people remember J.K. Dobbins is a thing that exists, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. long it took him to come back for his torn ACL. I, RB10 for a second-year ACL case is just absurd on its face. And I think people are going to realize, even though he's such a good player, like I do feel like that's just like absurd on its face. Always I think it's fine. I'm, I'm willing to gamble on it, but I totally agree that like we're trying to read the market. Uh, he, we're going to sit him for the first week of training camp, RB13. Like that, That's the immediate jump that happens. And maybe it's really like not that predictive of whether he plays or not. But like in terms of reading the market, I do think you have a spot on read that like he's probably being drafted. What, what I think is fair, you think is a ceiling. But either way, I don't think there's a ton of room for it to grow. But there's one very obvious example of it, of it shrinking, of him going just outside the top 12 running backs. The tiniest quote is all it'll take. It really is. That, exactly. It's taking like one talk. Like Robert Silas, like not, he's like looking at his Apple watch, reading a text. And yeah, <laughs> whatever. Brees Hall, yeah, he's not going to yeah. practice tomorrow. And like yeah. everyone just melts down. And yeah, may, I, may, he's going to drop. You guys remember a certain player named Zonovan Knight? And that's who's going to leave no. his back. Oh, who is that? <laughs> Never heard of him. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I, let's, let's, let's cut it out. Yeah, Zonovan Knight, uh, man, did he uh, proved costly in a few season-long matchups, not going to lie. <laughs> he, he was proved, good until he wasn't. Was, was the issue. White costly for me in one or two leagues, but we're not here to talk about the past. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to next week where we might do a live uh, best ball draft on air. If we can – seeing if we've got everything in good working order. The, this is a little preview for next Thursday, but we might do a draft. We might just talk the news. We're definitely going to be here podcasting on Monday and Thursday. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Doherty. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.